This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to this latest FS Tech Podcast. Today we're going to continue our series of reviewing some of our favourite discussions from 2023 with a conversation between FS Tech and Peter Pugh Jones, Director of Financial Services at Confluent, on the consumer duty rules. In it, we discuss how event-driven architectures and data streaming can help financial institutions adhere with the new rules and boost productivity while keeping the customer as the number one priority. To view the video version of this conversation, head over to fstech.co.uk where you can find this and a bevy of other insightful webinars and video interviews along with our daily news coverage of the financial services industry. Hello and welcome to this latest FS Tech webinar. Today we're going to be looking at the recently introduced consumer duty rules and how event-driven architectures and data streaming can help financial institutions adhere with these new rules and boost productivity while keeping the customer as the number one priority. Introduced at the end of July, the consumer duty is a game-changing new set of rules and guidance for financial services institutions in the UK and companies must look to modernise their systems with it in mind to create the best customer experience possible. Event-driven architecture, or EDA, is a powerful tool that can help firms meet the requirements of the consumer duty. EDA is a software design pattern that allows applications to communicate with each other by exchanging events, messages that describe what has happened, but not how or why. Data streaming is a key component of this that allows businesses to respond to events and changes in their data immediately. This technological revolution can help to improve scalability, performance and resilience, while also helping to make applications more flexible and adaptable to change. But what does this all mean within the context of consumer duty? Joining me now to discuss this and his vision for the future of evolving and transforming customer experience in banking is Peter Pugh Jones, Director of Financial Services at Confluence. Thanks for being with us here today, uh, Peter. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be here. So to kick us off, uh, for those in the audience who might not be familiar, please can you provide an overview of event-driven architecture and how this differs from traditional approaches to data? Well, so absolutely. It's, it's a little bit um, along the lines of what you said. It's an approach to designing um, modern systems, but around a, a premise or uh, a design principle that says, well, data is changing all the time and events take place all the time on that data. And if you're a large business and you have lots and lots of customers or lots of things you interact with, then there's a lot of volume involved in that change. And therefore, if you're not tracking the changing things over time, the events that they take place and maybe some element of timeliness within that, then maybe you're missing out. That's the whole premise, really, of event-driven architectures. Maybe you're missing out on insights and context around what's going on with either your customers or the things that you're interested in if it's not customers so it's very much linked to something called um, data streaming or data streaming platforms and in fact the event-driven architecture is the design you put in place to support an event-driven or a data streaming um, paradigm and that whole concept really is very similar if you want to compare it to real world things it's very similar to sort of natural evolution i mean you know most humans don't make decisions based on just the historical information they hold they're they're also re- getting information from what's coming in right now to help them make decisions and inform them better about something they might do so why wouldn't you want to build your architectures and systems in a way that over millions of years has evolved naturally in nature 
So it's slightly more advanced than the typical kind of if wex then why or if this then then uh, Yeah. if this then that kind of approach. It's slightly Yes. more sophisticated Uh, than that. totally. So, so if we think about the the way that um, data management or data, the principles of working with data have, have evolved over the last sort of four decades, you know, we began by collecting information, putting it somewhere, gathering it together, then analyzing it, right? Whereas event-driven world says, actually, if we track everything continuously, something's just changed. What's changed? And maybe if I'm keeping some kind of, in-memory values that help me look at what happens normally to the thing that has had a change on it, I can get some better derived information from it and maybe act faster or in a more uh, effective way uh, to respond to that thing right away. And, you know, therefore offer delight of its customer experience earlier on in the chain um, of that data's life cycle. Yes, and uh, the customer experience being the the heart of all this is is very important and not and uh, something which should be at the heart of all of this uh, conversation that's had around basically anything in, in financial services, really, if you ask me. Um, and with that in mind, um, one you know mentioned in the introduction the uh, consumer duty, which has been uh, introduced with the consumer in mind. Um, can you give us a brief overview of of what those rules entail? and their implication for financial services. Yeah, so the I mean, there's there's quite a lot of complexity and detail around it. And it's a great bit of bedtime reading. If anybody's uh, interested, the papers published, it's out there, you can look at it on the websites. But um, the, the the fundamental driving principle um, that I, I locked onto when I first read it, um, in the early days of when they were uh, providing the information about what it was going to become, um, is that what they want you to do, and what they want anyone involved in financial services to do, and that's all companies, by the way, involved in financial services, not just banking, but it's predominantly them, of course, um, is to put their consumer, the people they're selling something to, at the center of not just all the services and things that they do, but the design principles that they put in place for something new that they want to offer. So, you know, before deciding, hey, is this new thing we're going to take to market great for us as a company, also think about, well, how does it affect our customers or our consumers? How does it adversely impact them? And, uh, and how does it positively impact them? And, and what's the best way for us to ensure we keep them at the center of everything we do? And that's the fundamental thing that I took away from the bit of reading I did <laughs> on consumer Yeah, certainly. duty. I, I've uh, read a couple of uh, executive summary overviews, but if you want to read the entire thing, it's a, it's a bit of a tome, uh, Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, as as Peter says, good bit of uh, bedtime reading, if anything, to uh, help you help you nod off potentially with some of the legalese jargon in there. Um, so, so bringing all of this together, uh, what we've touched on already in this conversation, how can event-driven architecture help financial services institutions meet the requirements of consumer duty? Well, so because of those fundamental um, things that I took away from reading about uh, what what consumer duty really means, I I saw, and maybe it's just the way I the way I think, but I saw immediately a way for us to utilize data streaming platforms such as our company's Confluent, um, and therefore event driven architectural design principles to provide a better way to have. Um, services made available to the consumers, right? So first of all, you can experiment very quickly, test things very quickly. If you're gathering all the data and all the interactions, you can see how well something's going. You can monitor whatever that thing is. Maybe it's a new offer you're, you're sending out to your consumers. You can understand 
how they're, um, because you're looking at the data continuously, the responses from them, the feedback loops, maybe you're also monitoring multiple channels of interaction they have with you via phone, text, email, um, maybe the banking apps that they use and so on. Um, you can gather very quickly how well that's going um, and, and, and not just for the groups of people or the segmentations of market you're working with, but perhaps even for the individuals and whether something is more suitable for some archives, uh, some kinds of uh, consumers that you have than others. So it really does give you an opportunity to offer that extra level of delight. I think adopting an event-driven architecture, and, and, and by the way, by doing that, you're kind of, in many ways, taking away some of the spaghetti of modern ecosystems, right? You're, you're making things a little simpler, um, but by doing so, you're putting some of the core capabilities of of, a, of an architecture in in a you know into the into place in something like Confluent anyway um, that allows you to do things like governance, lineage, um, all of the uh, data products, which is a big topic today, um, which you can then make surface of, of data uh, to the downstream systems better. So by doing all of those things inside something like a data streaming platform um, with an event-driven architecture adoption, you you really are providing yourself the best opportunity to to comply with these new kinds of uh, capabilities that the the regulators are asking us to look at, right? Such as consumer duty. Mm -hmm. And uh, spaghetti is a, is a good word of uh, a good way of uh, describing the situation in, in in terms of data, in terms of team management. And that was the next thing I wanted to touch on. It is the fact that you know, in finance, a major concern is that teams can become siloed. And when they're talking about a customer, they might be talking about, you know, if you're looking at a huge bank, that their customer is an analyst or, um, you know, uh, some data specialist within the organization. And they can sometimes lose sight of the fact that they should always be creating the best experience for the end consumer, as you're saying, uh, delighting them, uh, which I think is a good way of putting it. What do you think can be done to remedy this and and how will EDA change, aid in that change? Yeah, it's, it's a really actually it's a really powerful question, right, because I think we can all of us can be guilty of losing track of when we get into the detail, we get very close to the thing that we're solving. And it can happen to us in all the different industries, including mine. Um, you can become so close to the thing that you're trying to do, you forget maybe the bigger picture, the vision for what you're overall trying to deliver and the part of that journey that you're playing. And um, and it's so true in, in siloed banking scenarios, especially for some of the, um, the companies that have been around for longer, because you end up with folks that are tasked with and motivated by doing specific things exactly as you describe, um, which on its own, and if that's the only service the entire company had, would probably be just great, right? But, you know, if if we've got someone collecting, let's let's pick a few, a few sort of examples. If we've got someone collecting data um, related to mortgages and people's credit worthiness for one, right? And we've got another team that's also managing separately in a totally siloed way, information that's very similar, but for perhaps bank account um, applications and then another one who's doing the same thing for personal loans and another one who's doing the same thing for cyber investigations and another one who's doing the same thing for fraud you end up with multiple versions of you the individual the person the consumer that you're trying to provide the best service to and if you do that you'll get a different picture of, of all of those people built up in those different siloed environments so the reality is the very i think that the ultimate way to deal with that is to de-silo is to bring together um, as, uh, as much as you can in that data into a single, in, in our case, it would be our streaming platform, because that's what we want people to use. And 
Having done that, create a sort of state vector of your customer, right? Everything you know about the latest interactions you've had with your customer across the entire business, which can then have data products built off of it that can service all of those individual silos, but it's all coming from a single, if you want, source of what you've gathered of the current interaction, the current state that you have across the entire business for your customers. And by doing that, um, I do think banks, uh, certainly banks and large institutions that have that kind of data can really start to build much more customer experience delight um, mm. because you can start to build up a much better picture, but one that your customer will appreciate, right? <laughs> Rather than one that maybe they think is a bit creepy because you just sent them a voucher for something like a, you know, a shop they just went past or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I often think about this. Uh, I had a, a, a call, I had to call my bank uh, the other day because a uh, transaction I tried to make was of the, the company was a high fraud of or high risk of fraud and you know it was flagged up on their internal system so I got a notification on my app telling me to call this line and you know I, I put my information in my you know my account number and everything and then speak to another person and I've put my account information in again and they asked me for my you know oh what's character three and five from your secure word that you've used yeah. okay Oh, right. Okay. So you need to speak to this person, get transferred to another person on the phone, waiting there for five, 10 minutes on a, you know, a bit of a, a music in the background and then having to give them the same information over again. And, you know, these sorts of things, which from a consumer perspective, you think, you know, it's, I've just spoken to one person there and there and surely it shouldn't be this complicated, but it is. And it, yeah. it, because of the nature of these companies being so siloed, Yes, I, I think it's a real, that's, I mean, to be honest, we've all had that experience at some point, yeah. right, with someone that we need to deal with. And, and you start to wonder, well, hang on, uh, uh, is this, am I the customer here? Or are they the customer? <laughs> you know, while they decide who it is that wants to talk to me, I'm starting to think maybe I don't want to have to work with them anymore, right? Mm. <laughs> so it's definitely the case. And, and that's, that is definitely one way you can help address those. You can't fix all of these things right away. But you can start to evolve your thinking and set a different kind of vision for what you want to achieve and i think consumer duty helps in some way put pressure on organizations to think about that a bit more yeah, yeah and and with this being more of a concern and there being the ability for 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 financial institutions to not have to uh, or, or or to be able to de-silo um you know you might start to see people move uh, move banks as a result of this because oh my my friends on with this bank and anytime they have to deal with them you know they're on the phone for five minutes if that or they can deal with everything in an app whereas whenever i you know i want to pay in a check i have to you know go into a branch and then speak to one team you know this level of friction uh, could be a deal breaker for people uh, for consumers going forward so and and this is as you say an element that the consumer duty is uh, is 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 putting pressure on them um on on financial institutions um but beyond helping banks and other financial institutions adhere to the consumer duty what are the key benefits uh, of deploying um, event driven architectures you've you've touched on some of them already but if you could go into a bit more detail that'd be great yeah so so the mo i mean modern systems um uh, you know have developed in many cases have developed with specializations right so and and i won't talk about brands or particular products of other companies or anything here but you know generally speaking if you have a silo of a business like a bank that's looking at say for example um uh, cyber type or seam they call it right cyber type uh, issues or, or fraud issues um there are traditionally over the last sort of 30 years or so specific tools you will use to do certain things right 
Um, and what that does, uh, although that's great, that helps a lot. Um, it's often that those tools tend to work on data at rest. They have to be, the data has to be loaded somewhere first, then you have to do those things afterwards, right? Um, and that means you missed maybe an opportunity to not only delight your customer if it's a customer experience kind of problem you're trying to solve um but you may have missed an opportunity to avoid paying out something that you shouldn't have paid out if it's a fraudulent sort of scenario um so uh, i think that the the whole approach to event-driven architecture and data streaming platforms is to say well okay what we could do fundamentally is uh rethink how we're going to go forward as a business and what is it we want to be, we want to be known for and maybe it's maybe it's what uh, we want to be known for adopting a methodology that lets us identify the context of something very quickly in the earliest possible point of the data's inception or creation and have gather insights at that really early stage and manage our data in such a way that we reduce replication and decomplify. That's, that's not the right word at all. Decomplify, that's not a real word. Um, decomplicate. <laughs> Even that may not be a real word. But anyway, make it less complicated as an architecture. And event-driven architectures can definitely do that. You can take away some of those siloed, specialized products that maybe traditionally we had to use, um, but perhaps we can take away some of the emphasis on those and, uh, and bring it nearer to the stream, nearer to the inception of the data, and actually by doing so, improve our customer's experience, our experience, the systems that we build, the way we track our data, and maybe save ourselves some money as a business, right? By removing some of the things we don't need anymore, as you know, in some ways, right? So. Well, if you needed any more uh, convincing uh, on why uh, event-driven architectures is is the future, uh, there you go. Um, uh, but uh, you know, for 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 businesses which are maybe watching this and uh, decision makers who uh, are, are fully now sold on event-driven architectures from your from your spiel there, um, what advice would you give them? Um, if they are just starting out their journey uh, with event-driven architectures and bearing in mind the uh, consumer duty. So it is really important, although although I may make, and thank you for that, I may make a reasonable pitch, right? But the truth is, it, it these things are complex to do, right? And, and especially if you've got a, a lot of existing um, stuff that's very critical that is part of your operational business on a day-to-day -day basis, you can't just rip it all out and go, hey, let's do it this way, right? So you have to evolve. And so the best way to start with these things is to is to pick an area that's very specific that is you know is causing you an outcome that you don't want as a business or some reputational damage or some other thing that you would like to fix on a targeted area. Implement event-driven architecture and data streaming platform to help solve that, but do it with a vision for, for how you're going to adopt it as a strategy for your business into the future. And if you do that, then you can evolve slowly because it's not, as you mentioned right at the beginning, it's not just about the systems and the software. You also have to change people's mindsets. You know, that I'm, you know, sadly, a lot of architectural design today, even new architectural designs for new products, is based upon things that, frankly, we used to we used to have to do in the previous century, right? <laughs> you know, um, data at rest methodologies and everything else. And that was mostly because of the fact we didn't have the hardware or it was too expensive and we didn't have the bandwidth and, and all of those things. But really, if we start with a principle that says you can do anything with streaming and work your way back from that, then fine, you can figure out the compromise you need. But I think the vision should be let's give ourselves the best opportunity to be the best business that we can be. And to do that, you really do have to start thinking about adopting uh, event-driven architectures and data streaming as a vision for the future strategically. And, and actually, I would say many of the banks that I work with have that approach 
in their in their in their plans for the future, which is really exciting for us, of course, as a company, but also also lots of other companies that work with streaming data as well. Absolutely. And this is an area in which um, the worlds of digital architecture and real world architecture aren't too dissimilar. You know, if you want to build a new house or or really develop, uh, you don't build on on uh, rickety old foundations. You want to have really solid foundations. And this is the same uh, in, in this instance as what you're talking about in terms of data management. So really, really interesting uh, perspective there. And you know, this is something which Peter, we could talk about for for much longer, and I'd be more than happy to talk with you about this again in the future. Uh, but unfortunately, that is about all the time we have for today. Uh, many thanks to our guest, Peter Pugh Jones, Director of Financial Services at Confluent. Uh, where can people go if they want to learn more about your work in event driven architectures and data streaming? So, uh, so the, the easiest thing to do, um, of course, and I'm going to say this anyway, is go to our website, <laughs> which is uh, confluent.io. Um, and in there, we have a subsection of the website that dedicated to financial services use cases. And many of the examples that our customers have either done or variations of those, of those things that we know about that people can even um, try out for themselves, download from Git, give it a try, go onto our uh, confluent.cloud and test it out for free and see if you'd like you know the the approach and then obviously um there's lots more stuff out there that people can use for research and help um don't forget our origins come from apache kafka and there's a lot of information on the web about that as well great well that's very very interesting very exciting uh and and maybe uh once uh once our our viewers have had a look at that they can uh, as we discussed have a read of the consumer duty to to bring their energy levels down a bit <laughs> uh thank you so much peter uh for for joining me today and uh thank you for for watching uh for fs tech i am jonathan easton goodbye this FS Tech podcast was written and presented by Jonathan Easton, who was joined by Peter Pugh Jones, Director of Financial Services at Confluent, and it was produced and edited by Matt Mills. To learn more about FS Tech, head over to fstech.co.uk. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech podcast.